0: You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, who provide innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world, Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry, and Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy. One step off the grid and the driven and joining me as usual, but for the last time in 2020 is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, how are you? Unreal. 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 I'm 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 going to take that as a good sign. (laughs)
2: Look, nothing like being a bit crook to uh, come out the other side and and feel awesome. So I feel awesome, was a bit sick for a while there. Thanks for all the nice gestures and the very nice kind words that you said and some virtual hugs and stuff that I got from lots of people. So, and I did actually have... I did actually have someone say, I think that was the best episode you ever did. Maybe you should not be there so much. So thanks for that, Liv. Oh, that's
1: dear. awesome. That's terrific. Well, it was a terrific, was a terrific inter- interview you did with Stuart Watson. So that's probably what they were referring to. Um, but um, you must have been pretty sick if you couldn't even crawl to the microphone to speak about solar.
2: Oh, I was cussed, mate. Cussed, <laughs> cussed. It was, it
1: was I'm glad that's a seven
2: and a word. I'm not going to go into the details, but let's just say that I didn't really want to move far from anywhere you know I just yeah flat on my back flat on my back so you know end of the year I think it was everything that caught up with me and you know nothing too serious it was a virus but it wasn't that virus it was another virus so you know
1: yeah look I reckon there's a lot of people out there crawling to the line I reckon in the end of 2020 it's been an exhausting year one way or another um just um dealing with the virus um people have managed to become, be, stay very, very busy and just everything just to be, seems to be very, very intense. So, um, yeah, yeah. I don't want to, you know, I mean,
2: there's been so many superlatives, right. And, 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 you know, I don't want to roll any more out, but you know, you have to remind I was having lunch with a, with a customer today actually to celebrate, you know, getting through the year and they had a tough year, but they survived and. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, life is slowly returning back to normal in Australia, um, which is, we're very fortunate and very, very lucky. But, you know, you, you do have to kind of slap yourself and go, geez, it's it's like pandemic, man. It doesn't get any tougher than the year we've just had. And, um, you know, chatting to other people in business, they said, geez, we the one if there's one lesson we've learned, we can do anything. We can survive anything. We can do anything because getting through this year was about as hard as it was likely to ever get. So, you know... Big shout out to everyone who survived
1: the year. Absolutely. Hmm. Now, Nigel, today we've got a bit um, in store, I think, haven't we? For um, it's, it's going to be our highlights of 2020. Um, I think and that's, I th- I th- it's apt. I, th- I think it's apt, and I think it's going to be the non-COVID highlights of 2020. Where are we going to start?
2: Well, well, I'm going to start with COVID, actually, but not not
1: specifically. Sorry to. <laughs> as trumpet. As, as, yeah. as 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 listeners can see this is completely unrehearsed <laughs>
2: <laughs> but i just want i mean when i was thinking about you know what are the top 5 things that have happened this year what are the big things that have happened year, this year i actually want to start by actually just saluting everybody in the solar industry because not only have we actually all survived what has been a very very tough year personally um uh, from a business sense it's been you know incredibly disruptive but you know for for installers who've had to who've had to navigate all this kind of stuff they've got a tough job as it is let alone dealing with the intricacies of you know do they have a job don't they have a job can they install can't they install you know uh, uh, dealing with all those kinds of things the operations teams the people in the back end the the warehouse people the salespeople who, who've had challenges just getting to talk to customers and adapting to new methods, the business owners who've had to suddenly turn their businesses on their head, the managers of, the, of those businesses uh, who've had to manage staff in whole new ways, the finance people who've had to you know, find ways to help businesses. You know, for everyone in solar, the thousands and thousands of people out there, tens of thousands of people out there, I salute you. Um, it has been an enormous year. Um, we certainly want to acknowledge those poor souls who, who were lost to COVID throughout the year, who tragically lost their lives and also some friends and colleagues in the industry who we lost uh, during what was a very tough year. So I think my number one
1: story is, you know, getting to the end of 2020. Absolutely, yeah, no, look, and um, I'd I'd, um, I'd echo that, and um, it's really good to remind ourselves, well, the people working in the back rooms, and um, yeah. doing all the, um, what is probably the hard part of the business, quite frankly, and um, and, and, and credit to everybody out there. Mm. And look, I'm going through my list of top five, look, right on the top of that is, is over, in amongst all of that has just been the extraordinary level of installations we've seen in 2020 now. I think mm. um, we hit another record in November, as we've said on um, previous episodes, it's gonna be pretty close or just over three gigawatts for the year. Wow. Um, which is extraordinary, extraordinary. Um, extraordinary. it is extra- it is extraordinary it's, it's over and above um all expectations and um what was absolutely fascinating was seeing the federal government um actually coming out and predict uh, predicting last week that that level they expect that level of installations to continue at least for another five years so another three gigawatts a year out to 2025 another two gigawatts a year beyond that to 2030 and we'll be sitting with about 24 or 25 gigawatts um coming um 2030, which is, um, when you think about it, it's just extraordinary.
2: Yeah. And look, I, I, um, I think that's almost a fait accompli, uh, Giles. And, and, you know, as we've talked about many times, you know, forecasting was something I used to do a lot of, and, you know, we used to sort of predict that we'd hit this wall of saturation and, 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 um, you know, it would get tougher and tougher and tougher. But of course we didn't expect (laughs) a pandemic. We didn't expect suddenly for hundreds of millions of people to be working from home and suddenly much more conscious of their energy use has totally changed the dynamic. People are now sitting at home, they're spending money in different ways that they weren't spending previously because they can't take a holiday so that, you know, they're going, well, maybe I should invest in a solar system instead. And, 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 you know, I was listening to a podcast about, how to sell solar in America this morning, Giles. And listening to Sorry, sorry, why were
1: you why were you listening to a podcast, How to Sell Solar in America?
2: Well because Are you are you moving? Are you moving? No,
1: no, I'm not moving.
2: No, no, because you know, I try to keep abreast of, you know, sales techniques. I'm supposed to be in sales, Giles. So <laughs> I try to keep abreast of You know, good stuff like that, you know, not be an old guy stuck in the mud and try to keep up to date with techniques and stuff, but nonetheless, what was really interesting was when they were talking about the U S they were talking about residential uptake and they were saying, you know, it hasn't really caught on at a residential level in the U S and it's not, it's not normal for people to see solar on a rooftop and of course they're paying higher prices and yeah, you know, rooftop hasn't really been anywhere near as big as it has been in Australia, and so it it highlighted to me how far advanced we are in Australia, really. And and this year has just blown that out of water, out of the water yet again. We've got you know professional businesses, professional people all over the place finding ways, more and more ways to get more solar out there. And and we are, we are without. I have ultimate confidence in saying we are the most advanced distributed rooftop, small-scale solar generation market in the world, Giles, in the world. We kill it and we have some of the best people in the world and some of the lowest pricing in the world. And, um, it hasn't slowed down in 2020. So, you know, I think the the conservative forecast that we would have predicted and the barriers that we thought we'd hit that we've blown them out of the water. So three gigawatts a year, easy peasy.
1: Fantastic fantastic absolutely and um, look it's just fascinating to see some of the records that um, we saw this year um state by state records new south wales has been leading for most of the year overtaking queensland but we've also seen some really high um, volume installations in states like south australia and western australia um and even the act the last um in the uh, in the last month so um that was pretty interesting And i think victoria is rebounding after being hit hardest by the COVID lockdown so um that's pretty interesting. And, um, look, a that's a year probably... of records, a year, a of, year records. of records, a Just... year of records. Absolutely. And, and,
2: and my favorite one for the year, the cheapest electricity in history. The best. Absolutely. It, you know, it doesn't get any, you can't, <laughs> you know, how do you beat that? It's, it's quite astounding Can... really.
1: King Solar, and that actually came from the International Energy Agency, um, and a, uh, an organisation not known for its um, awareness and support of renewables, least of all solar, um, has had some of the most laughable predictions um, of the uptake of um, solar and the cost profile for solar over the last 10 or 15 years. But there it is, King Solar, cheapest ever, um, onwards and upwards, so pretty good. Amazing. Mate, let's go to our second choice for the top five stories of the year, over to you.
2: Well, I'm actually going to celebrate the oldness of uh, the oldness of, we've had quite a few solar veterans and pioneers on this year. And, uh, I actually want to, uh, remind everyone that we have, we should never forget where we came from and the pioneers who paved the way for these records that we've set today, um, you know, and a great example of that, we talked uh, with Jeff Stapleton a couple of weeks ago about the SWC Fifty, uh, and and they um, released their digital book uh, recently celebrating fifty years of solar, and um, I had a squeeze through it today, and my goodness, three hundred and fifty-five pages, the entire history of not only solar industry and solar industry organisations, but you know, going looking at the history of how solar has evolved all over over that. Uh, that 50 years and, and indeed the history before that sort of where it came from, a real celebration of, um, you know, all these people in the back rooms, the, the scientists, the engineers, the, the folks who were trying to get policy changed, um, uh, uh and, and create these organizations to continuously improve what we've got around us. So, so that would be my number two would be, you know, acknowledging um the pioneers who laid the groundwork for the wonderful wonderful successes that we can all enjoy enjoy today
1: absolutely and um that probably takes me to my number two because i think um solar pv um for a lot of its last um, 50 years in australia has been sort of you know considered to be a bit of the upstart um in the uh, in the grid and um by some people more of a problem than anything but i reckon it's been really fascinating to see how most of the major institutions have actually come to um, accept rooftop solar as part of the future, part of the solution, not part of the problem, and are kind of designing their sort of thinking in the systems around it. And um, for sure, as we've seen in South Australia this year, this is not always gonna be a very smooth um, transition. And sometimes it can be really confusing. But the fact is that there's recognition that this is a revolution which is not going to be stopped, which should be embraced and should be managed, is a really positive thing. And it's really fascinating. So it's not just the energy institutions who are the rule makers and the regulators and the policy makers and things like that. It's also the um, institutions which have kind of ruled this industry, uh, the big utilities. Now, you talked to... You look at all their discussions, and and, and they don't say it too loudly, but they do say it. They're basically looking and trying to figure out how the hell do they reconfigure their businesses to adapt to the fact that just about everyone's going to have rooftop solar. So, you know, it's the old thing about, you know, you'd ask someone, well, what can I do to sort of accelerate the transition to renewables? Well, put your own solar system in, because basically for every kilowatt hour you add, um, it's going to be a kilowatt hour subtracted from the fossil fuel industry, in particular coal, and plus, but also gas. And the energy utilities, the, 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 yeah, the AGLs, the Origins, the, um, the synergies of the world, the Energy Australia, they all recognise that. They're trying to figure out how they make money into the future. Meanwhile, the networks are equally excited because they can kind of see opportunities for themselves. Um, it could be a battle that gets ugly, but I don't think solar is going to be collateral damage in that, even though there might be a few unpleasant sort of policies along the way. Um and that, for me, I think is the main thing. I just think, you know, it's it's really been a year of structural, transition towards... Structural
2: change, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Well, structural change in the brain more than the policy, actually think, but actually thinking about it in the right way.
2: <laughs> new, here's to new synapses. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it's the little ones that count. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we still got a few to go, but, you know, we're on the on the path, right? Yeah. Well, that's right, yeah. Anyway, mate, um, back to you, number three. All right, number three. Um, again, I'm staying on the theme of, you know, looking back in time and, um, you know, not only this year, but, you know, where, where we ended up this year and um, looking at some of the historical things. I thought this was a lovely little reference point. Um, back in 2000, the year 2000, and he seems like yesterday, but um, yeah, that was when the Sydney Olympics were on. Um, I worked in a solar factory at Homebush Bay, which was back then one of the biggest solar manufacturing facilities in the world, um, doing very, very high tech stuff. And annual global installations of solar back then, Giles, get this, were 195 megawatts per <laughs> annum, globally, globally. 20 years on, it seems like only yesterday, but 20 years on, Australia alone does more than 195 megawatts in a month. That was the whole year. Easily, yes. And now just one little Antipodean continent right down at the bottom of the world can knock that over every month. Great example of how far we have come. Um, for what it's worth, you know, just backing that up the, the total installed solar capacity in Australia at that time in, in, in 2000 was about 500 kilowatts, Charles, about half a megawatt, totally in total installed solar capacity in Australia, <laughs> that was it the vast majority of it was off grid, about 99% today it's 18 gigawatts, that's 36,000 times more solar in the 20, in that, just in that 20 year span, 36,000 times more solar installed than when the Sydney Olympics are on, which, you know, just, you know, bewildering, bewildering and just shows how far we've come. And um, as you said earlier, Giles, you know, there's no sign of it slowing down. We're just gonna keep adding and adding and adding it. We're already at 18 gigawatts, you know, national capacity hovers around 40. So we're well on our way to uh, half of the national capacity um being represented by by solar alone so um uh, you know absolutely
1: yeah absolutely and um looking at that uh, federal government report that came out last week which is all about emissions predictions actually um um it's and it also sort of dialing in sort of you know where solar was headed and i think it was so what was it, it was about 35 um 35 gigawatts of rooftop solar and um Probably another 10 in um, in large-scale solar, so it'll be by far the biggest sort of you know source of um, electricity by capacity, and uh, and probably a fair shake of it in um, in actual generation as well. Um, although they did have some other pretty wacky figures which I might actually come to later on in the program. Um, mm. there's um, you said, well, that's one of the things is that um, our energy minister does seem to have a problem with numbers, but um, anyway, let's not get too personal. We can come back um, to that, that we can come back to interview that. Interview, I, that. I think that will be fun, yes, Woo. absolutely. Woo. Um, well that takes me to my number 3 then and mm, um me. look I'm, I'm taking to you know I'm, I'm going to continue on the sort of the bigger picture line you know the um, the broader sort of the policy issues and this was the push by all the state liberal governments i think for really ambitious renewables policy so we've seen and Previously, we've seen the state Labor in Victoria go 50% renewables, legislative target. We've seen in Queensland doing the same thing, 50% renewables by 2030. In the Northern Territory, we've seen that 50% renewables by 2030. Of course, in the ACT, combination of Labor with Greens, um, minority government have uh, reached already 100% renewables and now doing... Um, Going beyond that, so they can actually transition their electric, their car fleets to electric, and and that's fantastic. But what's really interesting is seeing what the Liberal governments have been up to this year. Mm -hmm. And you've seen the state government in South Australia, Liberal, talking about their net 100% renewable target by 2030, a target they're actually going to reach well before 2030, probably by 2025. And, um, and talking about going beyond that by, you know, using solar and wind as a hydrogen thing. So that's just going right beyond 100% wind and solar, which is just such a um, groundbreaking achievement um, in, in, in the world um, to have that much sort of, what you know, variable renewables. And a lot of that is driven by the rooftop solar. And I guess that's kind of where the sort of the... the um, yeah, you know, the crunches come in sort of, you know, design protocols and um, and new standards for inverters and things like that. But um, that's another matter. Um, you've got the Liberal government in Tasmania, 200% renewables. Um, mm. That's through this Mariners link and uh, becoming the battery of the nation. It's probably a bit more of a controversial project because there's some people wondering whether that's actually really the cheapest and the, the smartest option. But look, mm. at least this is a Liberal government sort of thinking in those terms. And then you've got the um, New South Wales government, uh, the Liberal government in New South Wales. and. Um, you know, the one thing I could say about the New South Wales Liberal government was that they used to make the best speeches about renewables and energy transition that have ever heard and didn't <laughs> actually do anything. But now they're actually doing something. And look, all credit to the new energy minister, Matt, Ke- Matt, Matt Keane. He's come up with this sort of renewable transition strategy. There isn't a set renewable target. He just understands and recognises that the coal fleet's got to be replaced. The obvious replacement is wind, solar and storage. And he's going to go about it by creating renewable energy zones, doing a series of tenders, attracting some, you know, goodness knows how much I think 20 gigawatts of um, of um, proposals uh, already, and, and probably far more than that. And what's more, he has designed a really clever and important and well thought out scheme. So the industry is really happy with it, thinking, "Crikey, this is actually going to work. This is actually really, really smart, really, really clever, because he's listened to the experts." And on top of that. He's managed to bring in all the political parties. So he's got not just the Libs, he's got the nationals who are not the most naturally the friendliest well, they should be the friendliest towards wind and solar and regional development, but um, they've come on board, they've got Labour, they've got the Greens, they've got everyone except for one nation. So, you know, you can't do you can't do more than that. <laughs> That's right. God, no, I, that
0: read,
2: was like, I read uh, Latham's rambling bloody speech to Parliament about renewables. What a rambling piece of garbage that was.
1: Jeez. Oh look, you just you look. It, it, it does make you. It does make you. Yeah, it does make you shake your head sometimes. But um, but there you go. But look, yeah, yeah. I mean, they seem to be in a ever decreasing minority. Yes, yeah, Um that's true, true. But look, I just I just think that that was you know that was a really interesting um, transition and really really interesting sort of reshape of the whole political conversation in America. And sure, there's a few roadblocks to um, to 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 get rid of, and there's still some issues, obviously here, there, and possibly everywhere, but, um, you know, um, yeah, pretty important, pretty important. Well, anyway.
2: I, I couldn't agree more, mate. It's a really good point that that, that sort of, you know, high level policy setting and the, and the bipartisan support has has moved to a place that we hadn't seen it before. So that's, that's, uh, that's a really good point. I'm going to jump onto my next one then, um, yep. which I think, you know, in, in terms of top five stories for New South, uh, for, for, for 2020, Despite the pain um, that it caused, I have to acknowledge what South Australia have managed to achieve with the, um, they called it the solar homes program, but essentially it was the remote control of distributed generation. And we're in the thick of that with um, secret agent solar analytics. Um, We're we're one of the relevant agents down there. And in fact, uh, already starting to do tests to... um, to uh, enact this remote control functionality that we need to. And, you know, the prospect, I was chatting with someone the other day about it and saying, you know, the prospect of having tens of thousands of solar systems or hundreds of thousands of solar systems that can be orchestrated remotely for the benefit of the entire network, for the benefit of the entire um NEM, uh, uh, for for reliability, for, for um, you know, balancing generation and demand and all those kinds of things. This is a very cool place to land. And although, you know, universally, we were pretty critical about how fast it was rolled out and some of the clunkiness in the scheme and it's now, you know, the warts and all are starting to sort of show up uh, around some of the intricacies of some of the deals that are out there. What it is... What is really, really cool about it is that it's grid 2.0. It's distributed generation, remotely controlled for the benefit of everybody. And that is super cool. It's groundbreaking. It hasn't been done at this level anywhere else yet. It will be very, very interesting to see what happens over the Christmas break, particularly, which is kind of the time when uh, potentially these types of actions uh, may need to be triggered. And we've seen extreme weather events starting to emerge on the East Coast. Let's keep our fingers crossed. We don't see the same type of extreme weather events that we saw in South Australia a few years ago that initiated all of this. But nonetheless, the groundwork has been done. Uh, We've done it in Australia, we've done it in South Australia before anyone else in the world has done it. And you know, um, all power to uh, uh, the people behind all of that. And indeed the installers and sales companies who've had to adapt incredibly quickly to get it in place. And now we're all kind of sitting back with our I've got the secret agents, we've got our fingers over the button just waiting for the command to come and then we'll do stuff. Um, so, you know, we've still got lessons to learn from it all, but extremely
1: cool. That's yes, um absolutely no, that's that's pretty important. And um, it's um interest it's gonna be fascinating to see as you say how that is actually deployed um, during the summer. Um, the the um, you know the argument always was that it'll be very, it'll be rarely deployed um, and sparingly deployed, you know, sort of you know, only in certain conditions and not for a very long time. Mm. But you know, talking about that document that I sort of referred to <laughs> that the federal government produced last week, they actually came up with a conclusion that the curtailment would be about six thousand gigawatt hours a year of rooftop solar, which is actually about half the amount that's been generated from rooftop solar um, this year, from um, you know about twelve gigawatts of. <laughs> Of, of, of Yeah, I know. It's actually, it was a, I mean, people are just going, what the hell are they thinking? We're trying to work out what it was they were thinking. but they, it, actually ref, it, actually, it actually translates to by 2030, they reckon then that every solar system will be switched off for the equivalent of two months a year, which is just barking mad. Um, wow. Unless, unless, unless someone has done other intentions. And look, we've asked the government, where the hell did you get that idea from? And the government tells us, well, look, now that comes from email modelling and what the email modelling said about minimum demand. We ask our EMO and say, well, we're not too sure what drugs they've been taking, but uh, look, that wasn't exactly their language, but um, they said, no, we don't know. Um, we don't know where they're getting those numbers from. It's not our numbers, and um, dearie me, um, look, I just think, um, look, you know, dear old Angus has had a problem with numbers, but um, um, that one certainly is pretty wild. Um, just interesting to note, though, what's happening in Western Australia, and uh, look, I haven't been able to get a really good handle on this. Because um, they're going to do the same sort of thing, um, you know, that sort of, you know, having those standards which allows you to sort of switch off solar at certain times. But what they've been doing in the interim is actually having these systems, actually encouraging people to um, just do stuff in the middle do of the stuff. day to, to 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 absorb solar. So now we talk oh, yeah, about so solar. Saw that. Yeah, no, so we talk about solar sponges, and look, yeah. you know, that's a good idea to sort of, you know, put your pool pumps, put your air con, or, put, you know, shift load from the night to the daytime. The, mm. the allegation was that people were just creating artificial load to actually just sort of, you know, um, um, sort of boost up demand so it doesn't still sort of hit that sort of critical minimum demand levels, which would sound a bit like a waste of time, particularly if people would, were being paid to use something that they didn't really need, but, I mean... Um, I think they're kind of experimenting and just sort of see where it all lands up because I think, you know, there will be some spilling of wind and solar and some people sort of, I I get this message from one, this email from one guy every now and again, going, oh, look at King Island, you know, it's spilling all its excess wind energy. I'm just going, yeah, so what? You know, there's a bit of a breeze blowing up here here at the moment and no one's using it and it's not being missed really. But um, anyway, never mind. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I
2: mean, that's, that's the way it goes. And I mean, we're... You know, in reality, we're, we're already spilling energy right now because there are so many solar systems that are export limited around Australia already, right? Yep. So um, there are all, there's already throttling that's happening all over the place. So, you know, I think it, it, it stands to reason that, um, you know, giving people the opportunity to shift load and to shift their demand. Uh, I mean, geez, if it's good enough for Portland smelter. Uh, which Mr. Taylor thinks is a great idea. You know, that's basically about shifting demand to, to you know, try and help stabilise the grid at a large scale. Um, perfectly good logic to to um, uh, uh, provide opportunities for consumers to do the same thing. I will be interested to see how they do that, how well ha- how successful that is. I know in in our uh, humble little home, you know, um, trying to adjust um, our consumption pattern around, you know, the needs of a, a family and a home. And, you know, when it's convenient to push the dishwasher button, you know, sometimes it gets pushed at the wrong time to optimize our savings because <laughs> life gets in the way, but you know, um, Shame are... on
1: the Morris family, <laughs> shame on them.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, life gets in the way of these things sometimes, but it doesn't mean that we can't provide an opportunity and provide an incentive um, for people to think about that. And I know, you know, at, at the other end of the spectrum, I had a call from my dad the other day. He said, Oh, I've got lots of excess solar. So i put the air conditioner on. Now's the good time. I, I've, I sit here very comfortably with your mum thinking, I'm getting this, I'm cooling the house for free. How good is that? You know, and it's, that's the reality Well, exactly. Yeah. yep absolutely, yeah. absolutely.
1: Yeah. Which which takes me to my number four item, and that's the sort of this big boost in battery storage. Now, um, you know, batteries. Look, we've been talking about household batteries sort of being um, being, the, being the next big thing for a couple of years, and it's that's kind of been slower to take off, mainly because the costs haven't come down as thought as as quickly as we thought. But look, we're now starting to see them in um, more. Um, just about everyone's sort of rolling out some sort of virtual power plant of some sort and providing some sort of incentives, doing exactly that. Sort of basically having a, a battery in your home um, linking it with your solar playing in the market or providing a grid service and and working out what those incentives are and um, still can't quite work out in my own little head which um you know with better battery storage is like a commercial proposition otherwise you know you've got like a three-year return or a four-year return the answer is probably not but some people like to have it because of the standalone power and just because they like the idea of it but um that's clearly going to improve um, over coming years but um, the other thing that's really got me interested is just the uh, the big batteries around yeah. the place which are now being yeah, built with solar farms, with and wind farms, moment, absolutely, absolutely everywhere. So far, we're we're going to actually go. And, we're, we're going to do like a um, an interactive map with with the thing on renewable economy, so people can find their nearest big battery. Uh, but it's just it's just fascinating to see where they're all appearing. And um, yeah, um, going to beat um, going to beat uh, uh, going to beat the gas generators. That's for sure. They they ain't going to be no gas transition in the electricity grid at least. No, no, you wouldn't think so, would you? Mm.
2: Very good. Very good. Um, and, and, and I think, uh, so I'm up to number five, my last, but not least, I, I did, um, I did lean on Facebook and, and ask ask you know, some of the people that I, uh, that I interact with on Facebook said, what do you guys think uh, and girls think are uh, the big issues for 2020? And it was interesting to gauge the, the reaction actually. Um, uh, uh, w- one of the comments that I got was staff, which is something you hear a lot in business is, you know, the challenges of, of the big challenges in 2020 have been, you know, managing staff, finding good staff, keeping good staff. That's a, that's a challenge for all businesses. But of course, 2020 has really highlighted that. So that's a big challenge that was brought up. Uh, paperwork and compliance. Interestingly, uh, a couple of people poked their heads up and said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm I, I started out in this to, you know, change the world and deliver uh, clean, green energy uh and, and and leave a good legacy behind for for my kids and their grandkids. But you know, my life now consists largely of filling out forms uh and dealing with compliance issues. And um, you know, we are a very, very, very heavily regulated industry and um so it's it's something to think about and ponder in twenty twenty one is if we can streamline things and I know around the world chatting with a colleague in the US the other day talking about that and what a huge issue that is in the US, Uh, multiple multiple times worse than it is in Australia, but even in Australia, it's a real challenge. Um, What else did we get? Uh, Oh, there was a a suggestion that uh, there should be less of me on the podcast, and I think last week's success highlights that that might be worth considering, so I'll leave that with you, Mr
1: P. and I think I'm, the other one. I'm, I, just just when I needed, the bloody unmute button, and I just can't find it again, of course. No, I, I'm, I'm ruling that out now. I'm sorry, you're staying. You're staying. Oh, you're oh, stuck. You're stuck. That's, that's <laughs> generous um,
2: And I thought the best one that I heard actually was, you know, um, whilst it is a really valuable thing for all industry colleagues to learn from each other, and... Um, um, to, um, to, you know, look for opportunities for improvement, shall we say, um, 2020 sort of brought out a fair bit of nitpicking was the comment that I had from someone whose opinion I really value. And he kind of made the comment that, you know, we might've got to the point where being a little bit worn out and tired and having a pandemic year, um, that 2021 or or, or looking beyond 2020 into what could we do differently in 2021, it might be to might be to cut everyone a little bit of slack, um, to give everyone a break and to move from being, you know, really, really super critical of things that look on the surface to maybe be not ideal, but actually look a little bit deeper and to acknowledge that there are um, new entrants. I meet a lot of new people in this industry and they're learning. As they go, um, there are people out there looking for support. There are people out there, you know, sometimes exposing themselves to criticism. And I think um, a great mantra that we could um, uh, that we could run forward with next year is to to um, rather than just jumping to being critical, is to uh, open our eyes up a little bit more and see if there are ways that we can support people coming into the industry and share the benefit of the wisdom that a lot of people out there have. And um, so give everyone a little bit of a little bit of slack, perhaps in 2021.
1: Well that makes me wonder, Nigel, what I'm gonna do with my fifth, um my, my fifth item for the year, which was just really just laying into the federal government for being a bunch of idiots. But I suppose now I'm just gonna to have to sort of say that they're terribly misunderstood, that they're pleading for understanding, that they'll come on board eventually. Um they just haven't quite read chapter themselves. they haven't quite read chapter one yet. In fact I don't think they've actually read the preface or the energy transition, but they'll get there along at the end. So we should be very encouraging and supportive of them and it's difficult for them to actually sort of, you know, understand these new technologies. And to fully embrace them and to understand that the possibilities that lie before their business interests and their vested interests and the political donors and everything else that can't, seems to. Their pride and their ideology and everything else like that. Am I sounding sort of very sort of you know sympathetic and um? That's very understanding of you. <laughs> it's very it's understanding. Very understanding. <laughs> and I
0: think
2: I mean I think you kind of made the point as well before, mate, that we've actually seen a fairly major structural shift. We've seen bipartisan support in, in New South Wales, example, particularly, and 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 those who are coming out with you know um, uh, the, the the vitriol and the bitterness and the, the you know, the 80s-style criticisms that renewables don't work. They are the absolute minority. And while they're out there criticizing and complaining and carrying on, well, guess what? The world's moving on around them. Uh, solar's going on in spades, despite, a, despite you know, undue hardship and everything else. Um, households want it. Um, businesses make, see it makes sense. Financiers love to finance it, and they don't like to finance other things. So, you know... Um, maybe we can, maybe we should try and get Craig Kelly and Angus Taylor
1: on next year and just, you know, see if
2: we can get them over the line, Giles.
1: Well, let's try that. Let's try that. Um, that'll be a very interesting conversation, um, indeed. Be. Indeed. Yeah, I can think of a few others. In fact, I was talking to—I was talking to the other day. I was on a—I was on a um, on a webcast with um, Tim Flannery. Actually, and just sort of said, "Look, there's actually just about 25 MPs, members of Parliament, in the coalition um, side, and you just basically—well, maybe it wasn't entirely the coalition. It's just about 25 guys in Parliament or people in Parliament. And if you can just sort of convince them, and then then you're fine. They're, they're just like this." big impediment, this just sort of block of ignorance and, um, and refusal to understand. So yeah. Interesting. There's interesting been progress. thing. There's been, There's progress. been progress. Look, yeah, look. Let's end on a happy note. Look, um, one is to thank our sponsors and everybody who's been listening to us, our sponsors, of course, which is Solar Analytics and SunWiz and Kenergy. And thank you. You've all been on board right throughout the whole year. Oh, yes. Fantastic to have you on board. And so um,
2: wonderful to have those sponsors behind us and, and it yes. keeps the show alive and, you know, keeps the monkey wheel turning
1: absolutely and look and also to the um, to um, to the listeners now we've had or we expect to have we, we're pretty close to hundred thousand um, hundred thousand downloads for uh, this year which is an average of about 5,000 per podcast so that's, um, that's
2: remarkable and then and, and look at that's, that's pretty good
1: that's really good
2: it's like if we look back into the almost uh, more than three years now Charles that you and I have been crapping on like this. And, uh, so in total that's over a quarter of a million listens. Um, uh, you know, remarkable, remarkable achievement to, to, to still be here, to still have people tuning in. There's not a day that doesn't go by that. I don't meet someone uh, or other who has, who has listened to the podcast. We have great reviews. We really appreciate the reviews. We'd love some more reviews to help us keep being one of the top, uh, uh, longstanding solar podcasts in the world. Um, so I'm with you, mate. You know, quite congratulations to you. A quarter of a million listens over uh, over that three years is is quite something remarkable. And before I forget, uh, there are two people that I particularly want to thank, in addition to the sponsors, in addition to you, that, mate, and that's Mrs Parkinson and Mrs Morris, uh, <laughs> your better half, my better half, who have been supportive and tolerant and 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 wonderful just hiding in the background uh keeping the wheels turning for you and I mate. So uh to the to the good ladies behind us uh we salute you as well. Well,
1: well that's right. Well and, and and look in the case of Anne, um um a, a very active involvement as being the voice that you hear at the start of the por- podcast mm. and at the end of the podcast. And mm. of course for producing us as well and um you know mm. keeping our um keeping our volumes and our sort of tones under control. So um and, um, and for connecting us, like, you know, we're just sort of sitting there, sort of, um, we're not staring at each other because we can't see each other, just sort of, you know, like two dumb idiots sort of sitting there, just can't hear each other. And we got to go, i got to go shout out, and I, I don't I know can't, how many times
2: I've heard you shout out, it's not I working. Can't, I, can't I, can't, I can't hear you. I can't
1: hear Nigel. Bless you, Anne. Thank you. For <laughs> Absolutely. Patience. Patience have got out. Yes, <laughs> fantastic. Anyway, mate, that's a wrap. Um, look, um, there, everyone have a great and safe holiday period. Um, Nigel, what are, what are your plans? Are you going to come up to Byron Bay and have a look at what, um, what used to be our beach?
2: <laughs> I will get to the north coast. Uh, yes, we've got to run up the north coast as is tradition to see family on the mid-north coast and my family on the far north coast, so I might even... Uh, Might even get round to your veranda for for a quiet afternoon beer if I'm very, very lucky and you're around, Giles. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, good break. And and a lot of people I know, uh, like me, are hoping to get uh, close to three weeks off, actually.
1: Um, So I I very much look forward to that. Very good. And look, we're going to be back on air um, at the end of January, I think the plan is. So, um, yes, after a... um, after a summer of love and relaxation and um, what else? Uh, look, um, thanks very much, Nigel. It's been an absolute pleasure. Once again, looking yeah. forward to going around again in 2021. Thanks to all our listeners and we'll talk again next year. Bye for now.
0: Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with Open Solar will amplify the value delivered by their world leading solar software platform. Run your business at maximum velocity with pro setup, training, and assistance. Visit sunwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.